such things are afoot at the Circle K. chosen one to host the show, but hosting is a full-time commitment, and he's been a little distracted lately. Trinity, see what I'm talking about? Listen here, you beautiful bitch, I'm about to fuck you up with some truth. Watch the sass, Captain Sassy Pants. Yeah, you're kind of spazzing out, dude. You haven't answered my question. Yes, I did. You see, what You I... haven't answered my... I'm trying. You just need to let me talk. Why am I here? You shut up. You won't let it. No, you won't let it! I'm the one who talks! Okay, mouth shut! Ears open! You haven't had You do not want to see me get out of this chair! What's going on, everybody out there in podcast land? You have once again ran into, somehow, accidentally downloaded... The greatest podcast to broadcast from a spare bedroom in Wyoming. Yes, it is me. It is I, Johnny motherfucking Doe, coming at you from the Strange Things Are Afoot at the Circle K Studios. How's everybody doing out there? Well, I'm doing fantabulous, as always. Um, let's get right into it, okay? Um. You know, when I do this podcast, I just crack the mic and start talking. Um, I don't even really have uh, any show prep for the most part. The only thing I kind of do is I think about my official, unofficial sponsors, which this uh, week, month, <laughs> you know, I can't really say this week because it's been multiple weeks since my last upload. So <clears throat> anyway, hey, let, I'll just say it. This week, my... Um, Sponsors are, I have Dasani water. Now, it's not my favorite water. I would say my favorite water is probably, um, let me let me think here. Um, smart water, um, I like a lot, or, um, you know what water I really like, but I can't find it, is uh, Body Armor makes a water, like a pH-balanced water. Um, with electrolytes, but I can only find it when I go out of town. I, for some reason, they don't have it here. So that's, I will say that's, that's probably, yeah, we'll go ahead and go with that. Okay. Uh, core water is pretty good too. And, uh, NOS energy drink, of course, um, that is the lifeblood of this podcast. Um, bear fruit snacks. Um, I've been eating a lot of those. I've been balls deep in the bear fruit snacks. And let me go ahead and give a um, a shout out to, and I think I might have already done this in the last podcast, but uh, New Balance running shoes. Um, man, you know, my personal growth challenge, this big ultra marathon, I'm getting ready to run here in about a week and a half. Um, you know, I've done over 200 miles of training. Uh, since I began this personal growth challenge and uh, I've tried out lots of different shoes. I tried out some expensive brands, some kind of, you know, mid-level brands and, uh, no, no cheap brands. I'm not stupid. Um, but new balance are definitely not 
expensive. There, there's definitely different levels. They got some high-end shoes too, but even their mid-tier shoe, um, I've they've been the most comfortable. So I have like four pairs of New Balance shoes, and that's what I'm going to be rocking on my trail run. And so I have a couple different trail running shoes. I'm going to bring an extra pair in my drop bag. So when they get all wet and muddy, I can change them out. So this trail run I'm getting ready to do. Um, if anybody's ever heard of a tough mutter, it's kind of like that, but, uh, you know, 32 miles of it because it's going to be through, we've had a ton of rain here. So the mountains have been flooded. It's like a swamp up there. So it's going to be, I'm going to encounter rain, sleet, snow, possibly, um, lots of mud, lots of rocks up and down, you know, plus or minus a couple thousand feet of elevation, um, sun, wind, cold, it's, you name it. So <clears throat> it's going to be, it's one of the more challenging trail runs in the entire country is the, is the Bighorn uh, trail run. So uh, at least from what I read, I mean, I'm not, I'm kind of speaking out of my ass because I, of course, I've never done it. I've been up uh, on this trail before I've hiked it uh, before and it's, it's no joke. So, <clears throat> um, yeah, I've been really trying to, uh, work hard toward, toward that goal. And, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a challenge. Uh, let's just, you know, call it for what it is. It's a personal growth challenge for a reason. It has not been easy. Uh, I can't say it's been fun, but, um, you know, I've talked about it a lot on this podcast before. Um, fulfillment sometimes, most of the time doesn't come from fun. It comes from, you know, challenging yourself. So, uh, this isn't about doing something that's fun. It's about, uh, fulfillment. Now, you know, with my uh, unofficial sponsors, my official unofficial sponsors, I, I, I want to start a new thing called a, uh, you know, how you give shout outs. This is just a big fuck you to a company. Okay. Um, and so I'm going to start, you know, I always talk about uh, my official unofficial sponsors are products that I use and I endorse because not that they pay me, but I use them and I, and I enjoy the product. Um, so if I'm willing to spend my own money on it, then I can share it with you guys. Um, but on the flip side, I also, I also want to share the companies that have fucked me over. Now, um, if you are an avid listener of this podcast, you know, I like my Xbox games and I've rocked a couple Xboxes over the years and I decided to upgrade to a newer Xbox because my other one was just kind of. It was noisy. It sounded like the little, um, I don't know, the hard drive or whatever starting to get loud. Something was something was making noise in it. So I said, let me go ahead and just get a new one, bring the other one to my office, and I can use that for like applicants at my office. And um, let me just get a new one. So I spent a couple hundred bucks, um, got a brand new one, and uh, it was working great for about two weeks, three weeks, three weeks. And then it just decided to stop working. The hard drive just fucking crashed. Okay. And, um, you know, my other one I had for years played the shit out of it. And this one didn't even last three weeks. Well, um, of course I can't just like, uh, bring it back, um, to Walmart where I, no, I didn't get a Walmart. I got it a fucking you know, through Amazon. So I can't just send it back. 
Um, I don't even have the box for it anymore. Of course, it's under Microsoft's warranty, but that means I've done, had to do it before. This is not my first rodeo, people. I've had to send Xboxes before. And the last time I sent an Xbox in for a, a problem, it took them about fucking eight weeks to get it back to me. So instead of doing that, instead of doing the old, oh, let me go get my old Xbox and and, and play that and, uh, and and wait for my brand new one, to that I gotta pay like shipping and shit. Let me let me go ahead and and take time out of my day to nope. Fuck you, Microsoft. How about that? How about these apples, Microsoft? Fuck off. I love video games. I'm done. I'm done with you. Okay. I got too much other shit going on in my life. I don't need your ass. I just I'm just done. Okay. I have a stack of video games that are just gonna be collecting dust. I don't give a fuck. You don't have any power over me. I'm not going to just keep doling out money and being your little bitch and going, oh, if it fucking breaks in three weeks, let me just go ahead and send it in and let you fix it. No, how about you make a product that doesn't fucking break and I'll keep playing it. But if you're going to make a piece of shit fucking product, then fuck off. You know, I was talking with someone um, about this or it might have been a different product. But back in the day, I'm talking about like 30, 40 years ago. If you made a product and it fucking broke within a couple weeks, you went out of fucking business. I mean, there was, you know, no two ways about it. You fucking went out of business. You had like a microwave company or you made a stove or you made a refrigerator and it just quit fucking working. You went out of fucking business. Okay. People used to buy shit like a toaster and they expect it to work for 20 fucking years. I'm telling you, I've, I've bought multiple fucking products that cost multiple hundreds of dollars and they've broken within the first year and I went out and bought another one because I liked them so much and then I realized I'm the fucking idiot but you know I think most companies are like this they don't give a fuck they don't I mean uh, even a lot of car manufacturers like some of the more performance oriented car manufacturers they say hey you know our cars are pretty fucking awesome and they go really fast and they handle great, but they're not going to last. So, you know, you're just going to have to get used to it being a piece of shit. Well, that's awesome if you want to buy a performance car, but I'm not buying a performance toaster or fucking microwave. I can tell you three products that I've had that were less than a year old when they broke in the last uh, year. My Xbox 360 or my Xbox One. 360 Jesus that one fucked and broke too when I first got it um, Xbox one a whirlpool microwave that uh, came with my house when I bought it and it was a brand new house uh, brand new construction so it was all brand new appliances okay and uh, a um, Nespresso coffee maker that's like two or three hundred dollars okay uh, all of those things you know, if you added up the price of those three things, it's well over $1,000, how much you, you, you pay for those, um, or close to $1,000, I should say. And they fucking broke within a year. I just don't understand um, what has happened to uh, society, I will say, because I'm partially to blame because I keep buying these products again. Uh, but shit just doesn't fucking last. You, you buy products and expect it. Like I bought a computer, this this uh, iMac, you've heard me complain about it before. You know, I bought it like four years ago 
and it's dog shit slow. And I'm and I bitch about how fucking slow it is. And of of course I've never updated the hardware because it's a fucking iMac and it's almost impossible to update the hardware. And people go, well, you just got to buy a new one. You know, it's obsolete now. Well, you know, I expect to buy something. And if I, I'm not running high-end fucking software and shit, I'm running the same software that it came with. So why does it run so fucking dog shit slow? You know, I mean, you buy a phone now and within two years you got to upgrade it. And you pay a thousand bucks for that bitch. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, this world is so fucked up now. And you wonder why people, it's, it's, they struggle to get ahead because, you know, not only are wages, has, have wages stagnated. You know, you can say whatever you want about the economy. Wages have stagnated for the middle class. People aren't making near as much money. Houses are fucking just ridiculous expensive. We're looking at cars a couple weeks ago, my wife and I, because she was thinking about upgrading her truck. And we're just going to keep the truck that we got because it's, it's, it's fucking retarded how much they want for a fucking new vehicle. Retarded. There's Jeep Cherokees and fucking like Chevy products, like SUVs that are damn near $100,000. I shit you not. You get a, a, a Grand Cherokee Trackhawk. Yes, it has the Hemi. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. But it's still a fucking Jeep. And they want $100,000 for that bitch. You get a fucking fully decked out like Yukon Denali. It's damn near $100,000. Suburban, Chevy Suburban, fully decked out. It's like $90,000. I mean, it's just fucking retarded. Now you go, hey, uh, Johnny Doe. uh, I forgot my name for a second. (laughs) Hey, Johnny, you don't need to buy the the high-end luxury shit. Okay, let's say I just want to buy a regular fucking pickup truck. Okay, Uh, like I did uh, about eight months ago. My pickup truck is a midsize. It's a Chevy Colorado ZR2. Okay, it's a badass truck. But the sticker price on that bitch was $47,000. And it's a midsize pickup truck. Now, it's the fucking most decked out, you know, high-end, midsize, you know, off-road truck that you can buy. But it's three grand short of $50,000. Now... (laughs) I did not pay forty-seven. I wheeled and dealed and used some some um, some discounts. My buddy got me and used a military discount and um, you know talked him down a few grand. And I ended up paying like thirty-nine for it. But my point is, it's like okay, forty grand still for a mid-size pickup. So forty grand mid-size pickup. So if you want a full-size pickup, full size, you're paying fifty grand. I don't care. Unless you're buying it used or you're buying last model years, you're buying you're you're paying fifty grand. That's the start. Now, if you're looking at you want some options, you want the higher trim levels. You're looking at sixty grand. If you want something that's a little bit more uh, high end, like a like a power wagon or or a, 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 a Raptor or something like that, you're looking at like closer to seventy thousand, and then it just goes up from there. It's retarded. Okay, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, you look at economy cars, they're like $25,000 now. So, <clears throat> so the, the the point I'm making is is housing is expensive, owning a vehicle super expensive, wages have stagnated, and now you got to pay $1,000 for a fucking phone. Uh, you know, you got these flat screen TVs that yeah, they're they're not that expensive, 
But if you buy the 500 fucking, you know, 60 inch at Walmart, it ain't going to fucking last. I promise you it's a piece of shit. It'll last maybe three years. When I was a kid, we had a TV for like 20 fucking years. And if the tube went out, you'd call a repair guy. He'd come by and fucking throw a new tube in it. And it's, it's, it's a done deal, you know? And you kept that bitch for 20 years. And there's a reason because back when I was a little kid, we had console TVs and those motherfuckers weighed like a metric ton. So you couldn't move that bitch. I remember my mom gave me my, uh, our old console TV uh, when I was a, uh, a teenager. She moved out and um, I, I stayed in the townhouse that we owned and um, I just took over the rent and everything. And uh, she goes, hey, I'm going to leave you the TV. And I'm like, oh, thanks. <laughs> How nice of you. And then I decided, hey, I'm going to go ahead and go to Best Buy. And I decided to buy, a, at the time, it was really big, a 27-inch TV. <laughs> Back, you know, tube TV. And, uh, and I was like, okay, let me get this console TV out of here. And it was like it was fucking welded to the carpet. It was so fucking heavy. And so, of course, I did the ghetto-ass shit and just put the 27-inch on top of the console TV. <laughs> But that console TV, I remember when I moved, it, that motherfucker, I needed like four people to pick it up and throw it in the fucking dumpster. It weighed so, so fucking much. And that was like a like a 20-inch TV, 19-inch TV or some shit like that. But it was encased in like 400 pounds of oak or some shit. Anyway, you know, back in the day, um, my grandfather or probably even my mother's generation, you know, they bought a toaster, a range, a, a uh, microwave when they came out, um, of a refrigerator, things like that. And, and it was a, it was a wrap. They, that was what they owed, owned for the next 10, 20 years. Now it seems like every five years, the ship breaks and you got to go buy. And this is the high end shit, like washing machines, go buy a new fucking washer and dryer. And, and there's the super expensive shit, and then there's the super cheap shit that nobody wants. Just try to find the mid level shit, and you're and you're gonna be paying two grand for a washer and dryer, and it's fucking retarded how expensive shit is. And and not to mention you just gotta replace it all the time. I had to replace my dryer too, but I can't really complain about that because I bought it used because I'm kind of a chiseler, so I bought it used, and who knows how many miles, but. It, to be honest with you, it was a Samsung. It was like one of these HE dryers and high efficiency. And so it can't have been that old. And it fucking just, the heating element went out and I didn't feel like fixing it. So I said, fuck you, because who knows what else is going to break on it. So let me just, you know, let me just go buy a new one. So I just went out and bought a fucking new one. And it wasn't cheap. Okay, I'll tell you that. It wasn't cheap. So anyway, my new segment is uh, called... Fuck you, corporate America, <laughs> I guess, until I come up with a better name. So, you know, I have so much shit that uh, just stops working. I'm just going to profile a different product every time that just lets me down, that I paid a bunch of money for, and it fucking sucks dick. And that's that, okay? That's that. So Microsoft and Xbox, you can eat a gorilla dick. Fuck you. As I take the last swig of my NOS and now I'm moving to the Dasani. Hold on. Gotta get a drink of this. Now, I'm gonna give you guys an honorable mention of um, my um, official unofficial sponsors, just because it kind of goes in with a, it's not a personal growth challenge, but personal growth. So I'm real big on personal growth. 
obviously, if you listen to this podcast, okay? Uh, personal growth is something that I, I think it's extremely important. And why I talk about it so much on this podcast is um, I'm not, I'm definitely not the the pinnacle of one of these motivational personal growth people. Um, quite the opposite. I, I probably struggle with it, but I identify that how important it is. And so I feel like I'm the voice of the common man, someone that says, I understand that I can't stagnate, but I, I have a lot of fear about changing. I, um, I, there's a lot of pushback from me emotionally and mentally sometimes. And I have to really force myself. I have to make a conscious effort to get out of my comfort zone. Um, a little about me. Um, I am a consummate procrastinator. Uh, I am a hard worker, but I also get distracted very easily. And I'm one of those people that I'll work 12 hours a day, um, sometimes 14 hours a day, but I actually only did about eight hours of work. So I just get distracted and I get, you know, off track and I uh, get talking to somebody or doing something else or whatever else. So I think I lack efficiency. I'm, I'm very disciplined about certain things. Like I get up early in the morning, you know, I don't um, have a lot of bad habits and things like that. Uh, I eat pretty good. I exercise on a pretty consistent basis. Um, but it's it's still a, a struggle with other things. There's a lot of other things I'm not as disciplined with. So to me, it's always a battle. I know I have good fundamentals when it comes to that stuff. And so what I try to preach on this podcast is, <coughs> excuse me, is that it's always a battle and that you don't have to. Sometimes I found that I listen to a lot of guys that are the high-end uh, achievers. Uh, this guy named Jocko Willink. Uh, David Goggins are both former Navy SEALs. Even guys like uh, Tony Robbins, uh, Joe Rogan. Um, uh, there, there's a lot of um, people that are kind of on Joe Rogan's podcast that are kind of those those type of people um, that I've discovered over the years or I've discovered through reading books or um, whatever. And I always felt intimidated listening to them just because I'm like, God damn, man, I'm not a Navy SEAL. I'm not somebody that's the super elite athlete. I'm not this person that's like a multi-millionaire, billionaire fucking businessman. And, you know, I don't have, it's just sometimes intimidating because they're, they're talking from a level that is so more advanced than you are. You just feel like it's hard to connect the dots to, to feel like you can get there one day. So you know, when I started this podcast, it was kind of to bridge the gap um, between, you know, I like to talk about a lot of social issues, but I also like to uh, lead by example. You know, I am a member member of the United States Armed Forces, and um, my leadership style is lead by example. I always have. Um, I, I've always prided myself with uh, if I've had people that I'm mentoring, no matter if it's a soldier uh, no matter if you know it's a student, uh, if it's another young person, I tried to lead by example. Okay, I always remember my mom told me once, uh, "I'm the mom and you're the kid. Do as I say, not as I do." And I always thought that was terrible leadership. Um, I'm not saying it's necessarily bad parenting. I'll let you to decide. But uh, from a leadership standpoint, I don't. I do not. Um, I can't endorse that type of leadership. 
So anyway, so I try to come from the perspective of, hey, if I'm going to tell people this is the way to live, I have to make sure to, to kind of lead by example and to show these are the things that you can accomplish if you're an everyday American like me, a regular person, not somebody that's some elite uh, level of anything. I'm just a regular guy. I'm, I've never been the best at anything ever in my entire life. Okay. I was a professional artist and I was probably, you know, very much mid-level to lower mid-level of when it comes to per other professionals. You know, of course, if you look at my stuff compared to someone that wasn't an artist, you would say, oh, that guy's awesome. But compared to other professionals, I was not very good. Um, I've always been an athlete my entire life, but I, I, I sat the bench in high school basketball. I uh, got cut from my uh, high school baseball team, and I loved baseball. I've talked about, I've, I've given lots of stories on this podcast about uh about my my uh, endeavors in sports in high school, I ran cross country for a year. Quit my second year, uh, came in you know second to last just about every single race. Um, I you know I I never was great at anything. I played hockey um, and I was decent at that. Uh, I was team captain for a while, but you know my uh, my it's not like my team had. Uh, just this high caliber of talent to pick from and in the, in the team captain role kind of revolved, kind of uh, made, made its rounds. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I played with a, a great group of guys and, uh, but I, none of us really stood out as being a hundred, you know, way more talented than the, than the others. That, that was probably why um, playing hockey was so much fun because, uh, you know, I played with my buddy Jeff and Ryan and Brad and Ray and and uh, we all had our attributes, things that we're good at and, and 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 stuff like that. But nobody really was like head and shoulders above the other person. Um, so it made it a lot of fun. But what I'm saying is it's not like, you know, I was just dominating out there. I'd have my good games. I had my bad games. Right. And um, I took martial arts for about seven years. Um, I did OK in one tournament that I, that I was in. I got like third place. But um you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't great. I've never been great at anything. It's, uh, suffice it to say, uh, my first taste of greatness is when I went to basic training at Fort Benning, Georgia. And, um, uh, I found I have a talent for climbing ropes and I set a course record at Fort Benning. And this is where like the Rangers train and everything else in my training company. Um, and I don't, I, I can't say if, if it was, you know, I can't remember if it was battalion wide or if it was the whole training post or what. I just know that they had posted a record of what the time was to beat on this. Um, we're having this competition and they had the record for uh, that competition, like that training cycle and then the overall Fort Benning record. And I break, broke the record so much so that the drill sergeant would, would bring me out there and call out other training companies to come over and challenge me and and I would I would have to smoke them <laughs> you know the the drill sergeants kind of used me as like a a, a fucking juggling monkey there for a while but <clears throat> I digress that was the first time I really felt like I was doing something that I was uh, I was top tier I was runner-up honor graduate at basic training um I got offered a special forces contract right out of basic training, which is nothing to brag about really, because they'll really offer it to anybody that meets the criteria 
of, uh, you know, getting a special forces contract is not is uh, in itself. A lot of people brag about it. There's nothing to brag about. But what I'm saying is, is it made me feel like, oh, wow, I have the ability to at least attempt these things. Right. Um, I later went to air assault school and it was in the sniper section for a brief, brief time. Um, and, and so I, I felt like, uh, a soldier of the year, NCO of the year, um, uh, for my company and, uh, couldn't compete farther because I got sick. But anyway, my point is I was, I, I always felt like that I was, I did pretty well, um, with, with stuff in the military. Um, and that was the first time I really felt like, Hey, I, you know, I have, I have something to offer the world. That's one of the reasons why I quit art. And I really focused on my military career a lot because I was good at it. Okay. Um, now I was not the, the best, um, by any stretch of the imagination. I always thought that I was a good leader and I always thought that I was a pretty good NCO and then I would get around other guys, um, that I really looked up to and I realized that they were just head and shoulders above me. Um, but that's what I loved about the military is that it was a long process. You didn't have to get good overnight as you, you really learn and you fail a lot and then learn from those failures and, and you really work your way up and, and try to be the best that you can at the level you're at and maybe one level higher. And you're constantly kind of pushing to, to, to reach those things. <clears throat> and so I always felt, you know, felt kind of good about that. And, and that's where I really started challenging myself, getting out of my comfort zone is, is in the military. And that's one of the things I wanted to talk about um, in this episode is uh, I had a, I had a private, um, his name we'll say is Kevin, because that is his name. I'm not gonna say his last name, but his name is Kevin. Okay. Even though in the military you go by last names, but uh, I'll, I'll say it later. Well, I don't want to use his last name, but we'll just say his name's Kevin because that's what it is. <laughs> anyway, so um, I was a team leader at the time, I believe, which is an E5 sergeant. And um, we got a new kid, um, new private, that just got out of AIT. His name was Kevin. And uh, he was a stud. I'm not going to lie. He uh, um, was what we call a PT stud, someone that does really good on their PT test. And, <coughs> excuse me, he was not, um, he was definitely confident and maybe just a little bit like um, a lot of people thought maybe he was a little bit arrogant, but I never really saw him as arrogant. I always saw him as confident. And there's there's a big difference between the two. Now, of course, confidence will always kind of bleed into arrogance sometimes when it comes to certain things. But just as far as um, being a soldier, I never saw him as being arrogant whatsoever. He was always very um uh, very good at self-evaluating, like what he still needed to learn, what he needed to do, and he had lots of goals. Okay, and uh, young people, something I don't see in a lot of young people today. Um, so he came to our unit, and um, you know, he was—I rem—I still remember his very first PT test, one of his first months in the unit. I graded his PT test. And I remember he maxed out all the events and we're going to the two mile run. And uh, he had to b run uh, 13 minutes or below to max out the two mile run. And he ran it um, um, by my watch at like 1301. 
Okay. Now, there was lots of debate uh, amongst me and some of the other sergeants whether or not that I was a little quick on the on the time. Um, but I remember that's the time I gave him. My platoon sergeant at the time, we'll call him Dwayne, because <laughs> that's his name, um, took me aside and was like, hey, motherfucker, this guy got a perfect 300 on his PT test. Take that fucking second off. This dude, you were a little quick with that. And I was like, or negative. That's the time that was on the fucking stopwatch. That's the time I'm writing down. I don't give a shit if he gets a fucking 300 or 299. Doesn't fucking matter to me. Okay. And it wasn't like me being a, a hater or anything else. I was just like one of those dudes. The standard is the standard. Okay. And uh, I can't remember if like internally they changed the score or whatever else, but I let uh, Kevin know that, hey, you you missed it by one second and I don't remember getting a lot of guff from him or anything else you know he was just one of those dudes that uh he was like okay we'll get you know do better next time but that was the first one of my first memories of Kevin is um him maxing or almost maxing his his PT test so we get to the unit he gets um he gets made a driver we're in a Bradley company unit and um, if you know anything about the military, if you're in a, if you are in a mechanized unit, you have guys that are part of like the crew, um, what we call it, where you are on a Bradley crew, you're either a gunner or, or Bradley commander, or you're the driver. And usually, um, if you know, uh, the lowest rank is usually the driver, but you also have an infantry company like your dismounted infantry. And a lot of people, me included, I always took it as if you if you get made a driver, it's kind of a slap in the face like, hey, uh, you know, um, you're not real good at the like infantry shit, so we're going to put you in a vehicle. That's how I took it because I got made a driver too when I was a new private and I, and I bitched and complained until I didn't have to be on that goddamn track anymore. And so I remember Kevin was on, uh, was a driver and I, I can't remember if he complained about it or not, but I know I did. So I, I remember going in the back room and saying, hey, you know, this dude is has our one of our highest PT scores. Uh, you know, he's he's a dead eye with his fucking rifle. He's a really good shot. He can, you know, ruck his balls off. He can do all the infantry shit. Why do you make him a fucking driver? You need to put him part of the dismounts. And, um, and I don't think that uh, the platoon really gave much thought into it. But I know eventually he got off the track and he was a dismount. He was in my on my team for a little bit. I was a team leader or maybe a squad leader. I can't remember for a little bit. Um, and then either I moved uh, to a different position or he did. But he was in my company. He was in my platoon uh, for a while. And uh, I always knew he was a good kid. I always knew that he was he was kind of what you think of when you think of these guys on the recruiting posters and uh, when you watch the commercials and stuff, the be all you can be type type guys, okay? So later I, I moved to, to recruiting. I got out of the infantry. Um, and, uh, you know, suffice it to say, I, I think uh, Kevin, you know, knew I was a good NCO. Uh, I think he liked my leadership at least a little bit, um, thought I was a decent soldier. And, um, you know, we, you know, stayed in touch even when I got into recruiting, um, a little bit and he was looking for, um, a position in recruiting as well. 
recruiting is one of those jobs that, especially if you're looking for a full-time job in the National Guard, it's one of the it's one of the um, ways to kind of get your foot in the door. Uh, the National Guard is a reserve component, uh, but we do have full-time positions, and there's a lot of different full-time positions. And people like those are really good jobs because you don't have to worry about like moving all over the country and stuff. And you have a little bit more say in your career, but you still get all the same pay and benefits of any active duty soldier, right? So anyway, I was a recruiter and I had an opening in my office um, for an office partner. So I recently lost mine. Um, and uh, he called me up one day and and was, I can't remember how he found out about her or if I found out about it and called him, I can't remember. All I know is he was gonna apply for the position for my office partner. And I'm telling you, I really, really, really wanted this kid as my office partner. Um, and I say kid at this time, you know, he, he wasn't a kid anymore. He was very mature for being in his, you know, 23, 24 years old. Um, and he was a damn good soldier. And uh, I knew he was a hard worker. And I was like, man, I know he'll make a good recruiting partner. So I made a phone call to my company commander and I was, you know, definitely somebody that they respected. And I said, Hey, uh, I got a kid that he's going to be putting in a packet for this job as my office partner. I really want him. And they're like, well, what's his name? And I said, well, Kevin, so-and-so. And they're like, oh man. It's like, well, you know, he already applied, um, for the position in an, in another, um, <clears throat> at another recruiting station. And he came in second because, you know, he he he's very qualified um, when it comes to certain things, but he's never deployed. Um, he didn't have any a lot of experience. He's young. He's only been in for like three or four years, and he just came off as arrogant. And uh, my my CEO at the time, he was you know kind of a high speed dude. He had what we call it lots of chess candy, lots of like awards and stuff on his uniform, and he just felt like he was this high speed dude and. And Kevin kind of came off as arrogant, right? Uh, it's like, hey, man, he hasn't earned his his stripes yet, so you know, I we don't we don't want the brand new sergeant that thinks his he's hot shit. He's like, um, anyway. So we kind of went back and forth about him, and uh, and I said, hey, th- <laughs> you know, this kid was in my platoon. Uh, I was his team leader for a while, a squad leader for a while. I'm telling you, man, he is he is the real deal. He's a good kid. He's a, very mature for his age. He's going to do great things. He's a hard worker. And they go, well, okay, if you're serious about getting him and, and wanting him, then he's got to win the board <clears throat> and tell him all he has to do is be a little bit more humble and not be so arrogant, and he'll probably win. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I said, okay. So I called up Kevin, and I said, hey, man, this is what you got to do to win, okay? You you answered all the questions right. You uh, and by the way, let me back up. A board is kind of like a job interview, except it's very very disciplined and structured, and you got to be in like your dress uniform, and they ask you all kinds of questions. You have to answer a certain way, and it's it's a very regimented like uh, like job interview type thing. It's almost like an interrogation job interview. <laughs> So, and some people just crack under those uh, bright lights and they don't get the job. Even though they're extremely qualified on paper, um, they don't make a very good impression in person, so they don't get the job. So anyway, so they said, hey, he's going to board again. Just tell him this. So I called up Kevin and I told him, hey, man, 
you're gonna you're pretty much a shoo-in for this job. Just don't be too arrogant. You kind of came off as arrogant last time. That's why he didn't get the job. And he was like, "What are you talking about?" I'm, you know, we kind of went back and forth a little bit, and he just said, "Okay, I'll, I'll play ball a little bit." And that's when I realized, and he ended up getting the job, and he was going to be my office partner. And I realized that, uh, you know, and I, and I think he realized too that you kind of have to play the game. And it wasn't about, um, you know, they, they took it as arrogance because this kid um, was, was relatively new to the military. He just got his sergeant stripes, really hasn't done anything. Uh, I think at the time he went to air assault school, um, but he'd never been to combat. He's, you know, it's, it's, it was just training at this point. Um, and, you know, there's the military is kind of weird because you have, um, we call them badge protectors or tab protectors, you know, certain people that have certain qualifications or things on their resume that they, you know, they, 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 they're held in high esteem and they want people to earn that shit. And so they will kind of make it be known if you don't have that, that you're not up to their level. Right. Well, Kevin wasn't up to their level, um, yet. Okay. At least, um, that's kind of what they were giving me that impression. Now, um, me on the other hand, I kind of been there, done that. And they, they gave me the respect cause I, you know, had a pretty good, um, reputation for being a combat veteran and, and doing, you know, uh, do my thing overseas and, and stuff like that. So I had some of those badges and awards that they coveted so highly, um, but this kid, I mean, he was a young kid. He was brand new. So it's like, of course he doesn't have this shit. That's no, that's, that's not a, a slight on him. There's certain people in the military. They've been in a long time and they don't have those things because they uh, did everything they could to avoid a deployment. They did everything they could to keep themselves out of harm, harm's way. And those are people that you definitely don't want to put in certain positions because it's like, yeah, that's, that's, those aren't the people that you want. You want the people that, uh, run toward gunfire, not away from it, you know, uh, metaphorically speaking and, and literally too, but metaphorically speaking, you want someone that, that steps up to a challenge is what I'm saying. Okay. So, uh, Kevin wasn't someone that avoided challenges. He hasn't, he just hasn't been presented with one yet. So anyway, he got the job as my office partner and he was a fantastic office partner. Um, we developed, a, you know, a closer relationship uh, we, you know, we were definitely friendly before, but you know, I was always his, his superior and he was my subordinate. But when you're recruiting partners, there is no, at least how I ran my recruiting station, there is no superior and subordinate. It was, uh, you know, me and him doing the exact same job. I might've been a higher rank, but it didn't matter. You know, we did the same job. So I gave him the same respect, uh, hung out with him a little bit. And, you know, we talked about personal stuff a lot and, and he became a close friend. Um, probably I would say, uh, I have said on this podcast before, I have very, very few close friends. Most, most of the close friends I have wear the uniform. And I will say that he is probably in my, definitely in my top five, if not my top three of my, my closest friends, uh, even though he's, he's like 18 years younger than I am. Uh, but he's a, he's just a super smart, uh, he's, he's very intelligent. He's hardworking, very mature. And he's very, very driven. I didn't realize how driven he was at the time. And so <clears throat> uh, he, like many other infantry guys, they would say those words that he wanted to do all this high-speed shit like, uh, like air assault school, uh, like ranger school, like uh, special forces, all these different things. 
And uh, at first you go, you just hear it so much. You're like, whatever, you know? And then he did really well at aerosol. He got the opportunity to go to aerosol school. He did really well. Me and him were supposed to go to ranger school together. Um, and he was just a stud. And I was, and, and I took him very serious. Like, okay, this, this is a dude that not only can get the opportunity to go, but he, he has a very good opportunity to actually pass these things and, and, um, and, and really be able to achieve some of these goals. Um, at the time, uh, you know, when you get on recruiting orders, it kind of takes over your life. And it, it's, a, it's a great job and it's a shitty job all rolled into one. That's, that's, that's the best way to put it. The best job and the worst job, I'm, and I'm serious, the best and the worst rolled into one simultaneously, if that's possible. And so, you know, he got into a lot of those habits that all other recruiters do where, you know, you start kind of showing up a little later, you know, wearing civilian clothes, um, you know, making your own hours, which is not frowned upon as long as you're doing what you're supposed to do in recruiting, you kind of make your own hours and, and um, you know, having fun being, a, I believe at the time, like a 25-year-old where he was, you know, dating different chicks, um, you know, having fun on the weekends, hanging out with his boys, you know, getting his drink on, all that stuff. Um, and there was a, a small window in there where Kevin, um, I think changed what his goals were. He got a, he has a full-time job, good benefits. You get paid more when you're a recruiter. Um, and he realized that even though this job had his challenges and it, it was not exactly why he enlisted, wasn't why I enlisted either. Um, you kind of get tempted by, hey, all I got to do is kind of coast and I could do this for the rest of my career or for a big chunk of my career and just get paid, get the benefits and uh, kind of compromise, make a compromise with yourself. Now, me, it was a lot easier to make that compromise because I kind of felt like um, out of all the goals that I had in my military career, you know, I achieved 75% of them. Like I wanted to go to ranger school. I wanted to, to go to some other advanced schools and stuff. I didn't get the opportunity to go. Um, but um, some of the other things I wanted to do, like, you know, go overseas, you know, fight in a war, get my combat infantryman's badge, go to air assault school, you know, things like this, get promoted to a certain rank. I achieved all those things or was on my way to, to continuing to achieve certain things. And so it was a lot easier for me to be a recruiter going, okay, I, you know, and I was older and I knew I was past my prime. You know, I'm, I'm in my forties at this point. So I was, it was real easy for me to go, you know, I need to leave ranger school and all that stuff to kind of the young guys. So I was already kind of talking myself into, Hey, you know, I, I can't be, I can't hold on to this too long. But Kevin, he was 25 years old, 24, 25, something like that. And he still had all these aspirations. But he was also enjoying having a life, you know, just being a soldier, uh, but taking off the uniform at the end of the day, hanging out with your friends, where you grew up, and and uh, having fun, you know, and, and making good money. And, you know, he had a, bought a new truck and got a motorcycle and the whole nine. Same thing that we all do, right? And I was happy for him. But every once in a while, he would 
you know, we'd go out to lunch or we'd be talking and he would bring up something like Ranger School. Uh, he would bring up something like, uh, you know, he won the Soldier of the Year for like the region. I mean, he was uh, he a runner-up for like the, you know, like the Soldier of the Year for the entire country or something. I mean, he was a fantastic soldier. And so he had always kind of lament about missed opportunities. And he would talk about like, always want to go special forces. I, I, I still kind of want to go active duty is what we call it, which means just active duty, the big army, where you're on a deployment rotation and you're living on an army base, that, that whole thing. And uh, at first I would always tell him, hey man, is, you know, get that out of your head. You know, you're, you're a recruiter now, just focus on that. Uh, because it's paying your bills and you, you know, you like all that stuff. And he was like, yeah, you're right. And so he just kind of focused on that. And then every once in a while, it'll come back up again. And then, you know, the stress of recruiting started to get to him like it gets to everybody else where you just start realizing how much bullshit um, that you have to deal with. Because recruiting is, I'll tell you right now, Recruiters are some of the worst soldiers um, uh, you're ever going to meet. Now, there's some good ones out there, um, but there's a lot of shitty ones, especially in the National Guard. A lot of people go to recruiting because you're non-deployable as a recruiter. So there's a lot of cowards that don't want to deploy, so they, they go be a recruiter. And then on active duty Army or Navy or Air Force or anything, recruiting is, a, is an assigned duty position for like two you know, three, maybe four or five years if you're really good at it. But usually it's a it's a temporary assignment. Well, in the National Guard, it could be a permanent assignment. You can do it for 15 years if you want. And um, so Kevin was around a lot of just shitty fucking soldiers. I mean, there's this one infantry guy that we served with named David, <laughs> we'll call him, who was one of the top recruiters at the time. And he was an infantry guy, but he, he had all the cool schools, aerosol, airborne, you know, EIB, all this stuff. Uh, he was in the 82nd airborne, you know, seemingly what we call a high speed soldier. But then you realize the guy never deployed. He's got all his rank in recruiting. Uh, he wasn't a very good infantry guy. It just looked like by looking at his chest that he was high speed and he was extremely arrogant for all the wrong reasons. And I think, uh, Kevin being around guys like this, um, when we would uh, go for some training and things like that, it really got to him. I think that he saw that he didn't want to turn out to be these guys because he would be teaching a class as a 25-year-old E5 that's never deployed, and he knew more about guys that um, maybe deployed 10 years ago or never deployed, but they're E7s and E8s. And, uh, you know, they would be condescending to him and be, you know, treat him like shit because he was younger and, arrogant quote unquote uh but kevin knew his shit and i i think that started to get to him in 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 my mind i think that it 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 really gave him a wake-up call of i don't want to turn into these guys and he realized he had goals outside of recruiting that recruiting was a good job but it wasn't what he wanted to do with his life and he was very much driven by trying to do something else so he started, um, he went and got his EMT certification and was thinking about like becoming a full-time firefighter. So in the meantime, he became a volunteer firefighter. Um, he was really into like the EMT medical stuff and he took it very serious uh, to the point where a couple times I had to, you know, uh, I was thinking about 
confront him about a couple different situations where, you know, he had his little volunteer firefighter radio on and uh, he neglected some recruiting duties because he was on call for his uh, volunteer firefighter stuff. And I was like, mm, that vo- volunteer firefighter stuff doesn't pay the bills, man. You got to, you know, no matter love or hate it, this is what pays the bills. So you got to recruit, right? Um, <clears throat> and I think that scratched his itch for a little bit. Uh, he was in a relationship with a girl, long-term relationship, and it wasn't uh, wasn't as going bad, but it wasn't definitely headed toward marriage or anything like that. And I I truly believe that he kind of was at a crossroads in his life where he realized, hey, I'm I'm in my mid twenties, uh, I'm not married, I don't have kids, um, I'm still, uh, you know, relatively in good shape. Uh, I have these goals. And, but I'm, I'm in worse shape than I was a year ago. I'm not working out as much. Um, I'm getting distracted by some other things like, you know, partying and hanging out and stuff like that. I'm in this long-term relationship where it might be headed toward, you know, marriage or something like that. And I, and I really thought that, think that he hit that crossroads and he really started looking into active duty military and especially the special forces wanting to go special forces. And for all my listeners that aren't privy to the military, it is extremely hard to make it through special forces training. It's extremely hard just to to get selected uh, to try out for special forces, let alone make it through the training. So for a lot of people, it's a pipe dream. And you'll hear a lot of people in the military always say, oh, I'm going to go special forces or I'm going to try out for special forces. And, and it's almost like I've known people in my career that their claim to fame is that they tried out for special forces, you know, uh, kind of like me saying, well, I was in the sniper section, but I never went to sniper school and I never, you know, got the, the, the Bravo four indicator skill identifier and stuff like that. But, but I, you know, my claim to fame is that I actually did it, you know, in a combat zone, which is, you know, nothing to shake a stick at. But my point is that a lot of people rest on their laurels of, I attempted something. I went to ranger school. Did you graduate? No, but at least I went. And But Kevin wasn't that guy, okay? He, he wasn't a guy that was looking for bragging rights. He wasn't one of these guys that would tell people that um, so they would go, ooh, you think you're badass. He actually believed that he had what it took to make it through the training. And so every once in a while, he would say that to somebody or it would come out because he wasn't someone that would like brag about that. And people, of course, would just uh, kind of laugh behind his back and say like, oh, you young punk, you've never even been deployed. You're still wet behind the ears. You can't do this shit. And um, which most people are like that about just life in general. But, um, you know, Kevin kept talking to me about it and saying, I'm, you know, I'm really leaning toward maybe looking into doing special forces. And I had always kind of encourage him to like, hey, man, that's kind of a pipe dream. That's kind of... But I, I realized how serious he was. And I remember one conversation in particular that we had where I pretty much laid it out and said, hey, man, if that's what you want to do, you ain't getting any younger. Your life is not very complicated right now. You have a rental. You know, you, uh, you know you're not married. You don't have any kids. You're still young. Now's the time to do it or shut the fuck up about it and just go about your life. You know, it's like either do it or you can't just keep, keep for the next 10 years going, I'm thinking about doing it. Either do it or don't. 
But I told him if there's a time to do it, it's right now. And it's not not saying that he went and, and, and decided to go after it because of what I said. He was already thinking that, but that's I, I turned the corner from, hey, don't worry about that. Worry about your recruiting duties too. Yeah, man, if this is what you're obsessed about, if this is what's going to make you happy, if you don't feel fulfilled in your life, man, the choice has already been made. You got to go for it. And so uh, I helped him take the steps necessary. I mean, he, he did it on his own, but I helped him in the sense of moral support. I uh, helped him with his like letter to try to get released from the National Guard early um, to, to try out for special forces. And the entire time, I mean, it was a long process. It was a hard process. And the dude did whatever he had to do to get it done. And in the meantime, he was uh, taking his workouts more serious. He was getting in better shape. He was realizing he had a long way to go to get into the shape that he needed to be. And so it was probably a good thing that it was a long process because um, it really solidified for him that this is what he wanted to do. And um, he ended his long-term relationship, um, not saying that it, you know, he sacrificed his his girlfriend at the time um, for his career, but he, he kind of knew that I don't think this was what this relationship is right for me anyway. And so he cut a lot of ties and, and got rid of a lot of baggage that he, you know, he needed to get rid of to be able to make this dream a reality. And um, he went through all the different steps and I'm not going to go through all the different steps, but th- they're significant, significant just to get in, to be able to try out. And he was already in the military. And so, um, I mean, he worked his ass off and did everything that he needed to do. The kid is super smart. He, he was super uh, goal-oriented. And so, um, he already had that going for him. And so, you know, once he got his uh, conditional release signed where he was able to try out, um, you would think the haters would be like, oh shit, wow, he actually did it. He's actually going to try out. No, they were like, eh, you know, fucking pipe dream. I even had, I'm not going to say the person's name, but I had a recruiter friend of mine um, that even said, hey, you know, tell him that, man, he's he's got this awesome recruiting gig. He could do this for the next 15 years, make all this money, you know, make E7, make E8 and recruiting. And, and uh, man, why go do that shit? You know, he's got it. He's got it set. He's got a fucking a, a permanent gig if he wants it. And I remember like a year prior thinking the exact same thing. And then how much I've changed going, you know what? Fuck that. You know, this is something that this kid wants his entire fucking life. He wanted to be this kind of soldier. He wants to achieve some of these things. And he doesn't, he's not scared of the sacrifices he's, he's going to have to make to achieve those. And I was like, you know, shame on us that are these guys in their 40s trying to tell this young kid to fucking be burnouts like the rest of us that aren't, aren't, don't have goals anymore. And so uh, Kevin, you know, went off and went and did his special forces training. He made it through uh, what we call selection and he got selected and it's a very high attrition rate, which I think it's like only 30% even make it through. Then he make it, made it through the next phase and the next phase. And not only that, but he made it through um, his, the, the, the job that he picked in the special forces is to be a special forces medic, which is extremely fucking hard. You have to be very smart, very skilled, 
A lot of people don't make it through the first time. This dude fucking made it look easy. But I guarantee it never was. And it took him over two years to get fully trained as a special forces soldier. And he just graduated last week. And um, a week and a half ago, he got tabbed is what, what they call it. And so he wears on his sleeve that special forces tab. I remember when he was this private that was, you know, trying to max his PT score and saying he wanted to go to ranger school and all this stuff. And now he's this, he's getting ready to get promoted to E6. And uh, he's going to be in, you know, I'm not going to say what group, but he's a active duty special forces soldier, fully trained. And this is no joke. This is not something to scoff at because these guys make so many sacrifices in their life. And I'm not going to insult Kevin's intelligence by saying that he doesn't know what sacrifices he's going to make. He, he, he knows. He knows. And he's fully aware. And uh, he's going to be one of those guys that's going to be doing all kinds of shit that he's not allowed to tell people about. He can kind of vaguely say that he's going somewhere and stuff like that. But, you know, you can't really, you know, say, use your real name and, and uh, advertise what you're doing and, or have done and things like that. And uh, they're the quiet professionals of the military. And they sacrifice a lot. And we lose a lot of them. And so um, I went from adulation um, to just kind of being proud because um, I am like 17, 18 years older than this guy. Um, and so I don't want to say that I, you know, look at him like, like, uh, I'm his dad or something, but, uh, definitely like an older brother, or uncle, uh, but definitely a friend as well. Um, but I went from feeling kind of this pride of, I feel pride because I, 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 I uh, always supported him when I knew how many people were hating on him. And how many people in our old battalion that were like after he left, like going, oh, he's doing a special forces thing. And in the back of their mind, they're, you know, never thinking, hoping he doesn't make it because most of these guys had those same ambitions um, once themselves, but they didn't have the balls to actually fucking go for it like Kevin did. And, uh, you know, I've, I've gone from being proud to, to now to be honest, you know, worrying a little bit because I know what he's going to be asked to do. And I know the situations he's going to find himself in. And I know he's going to be a changed person um, after a deployment or two because I know how a deployment changed me. And he's going to be doing a lot more than what I did. And so I'm extremely proud of this young man because one of him going through those steps is one of the big inspirations why I decided to move across the country and um, continue recruiting, but do it in a different state, get out of my comfort zone. And really, even though that we're going in different paths, he reminded me that what I was doing um, in that office with him wasn't my long-term goal either. And to always be looking toward something else doesn't mean that you can't stay where you're at doesn't mean you got to change jobs or break up with girlfriends it just means that you should never settle 
And Kevin reminded me, this 25-year-old kid with not a lot of military experience reminded me about setting goals and not being complacent. You know, I, I feel like I've mentored Kevin a lot. I feel like that um, I was his superior in a lot of different ways. But I also know that that young man has been an inspiration to me as well. We can learn a lot from younger people. And, and, and uh, I used to always say, one of the things I, I like about the Army is you get a brand new private that just comes back from AIT uh, from his initial training, and you can learn a lot from that kid if you choose to. Because, you know, it's been 12 years since I've been to basic training. So some kid that comes back now, he knows all the latest and greatest. And so I feel blessed that that I had a kid like that in my life. And I keep saying a kid, and I don't mean it derogatory. It's just because I'm so fucking old. <laughs> but um, this is, he's probably one of the most mature young men that I knew at the time. And uh, he's got a great relationship now. Um, he's... Uh, He's, I think he's happy, um, content. I, I talk to him, um, you know, on a fairly consistent basis. And um, I know that what, where he's at right now is what I talk about a lot on this podcast. It's not about pleasure. I don't think that he's felt pleasure in the last two years of this grueling, grueling training. I mean, I can't even explain to you how grueling it is. And to be honest with you, I don't know that I should because it's not like I've been through it. So it's just what I hear. And I, I don't think I should I, I should uh, talk about it from a like a third-hand perspective. But it's not about, he wasn't going for pleasure. He was going for fulfillment. And fulfillment and pleasure are two different things. And hopefully he's feeling fulfilled. And as soon as that tab went on his shoulder, I promise you this. I know Kevin very well. And before that tab was even punched into his fucking shoulder, he was making new goals and he had new things he was wanting to achieve. This was only the beginning. The real goals is for him to actually go to his team and do his job. I promise you that's his goals. Some people that never make it through uh, special forces training, it's because the goal was to put that tab on their shoulder. They didn't give a shit about doing the job. Kevin, it was never about getting the accolades. It was about doing the job. And that's why I know that they, they do a good job at the selection process because they selected a good one. And, uh, you know, I, I miss him as my office partner. That was one of the best years of my life um, in the Army. Uh, we had a lot of fun together. Um, we, you know, we got into it sometimes and we got on each other's nerves from time to time, but it was, it was pretty rare and I don't get along with a lot of people, but he, uh, we, we bust each other's balls and we had a lot of fun together and, uh, I guarantee whatever he learned from me, I learned as much from him. So, um, this podcast I want to dedicate to Kevin because, um, I've been rooting for him the entire time. And it, it's, it's, you know, I don't know how to express. It's one of my proudest moments. I don't have, I have a lot of friends um, that are in the military, but a lot of them are past their prime. 
So they're not really going for anything. They're just kind of going through the motions and hoping they get promoted and just so they make more money and more retirement. And it's, it's kind of sad because you don't see a lot of goal driven people when you get to older people and higher ranks. Um, but Kevin reminded me, it's not about rank. It's not about money. It's not about that stuff. It's about fulfillment. And it's about uh, having the balls to go against the grain and who gives a shit about all the shit talkers. And um, it's not that he taught me this because I've always known this, but it reminds me of something I've talked about on this podcast before. If the majority of the people are telling you not to do it, you're probably doing the right thing. Okay? You know? And the majority of the people are saying, hey, don't do that. That's fucking stupid. What are you, crazy? You know? Don't listen to those people. So I want to dedicate this podcast to Kevin and uh, and say Godspeed. Get to your team. Keep training. Take it serious. I know you have, and I know you will. Uh, of course, have fun, but keep keep pushing for those goals. And um, hopefully, at the end of it, you're going to be wiser. You're you're going to feel like that you achieved all the things that you wanted to achieve, and uh, you can feel good about your career and your life. Something that I can't say for a lot of the people that we worked with um, in the Kansas recruiting battalion that were all burnouts, losers, um, a lot of them that uh, they wish they had the balls to do something um, that they set out to do when they first joined the military and then somehow they got off track. And so they just hate on young kids like you. Um, You're doing it, man. You know, Uh, you're doing it. I didn't say you did it because you didn't do shit yet. You're doing it and keep doing it, man. And I'm proud of you. So <clears throat> one of the reasons I meant to do this podcast on Memorial Day, but then I was like, you know, I'm not doing that on Memorial Day because, uh, you know, Memorial Day is to remember uh, our fallen soldiers and Kevin's not a fallen soldier, nor will he be because he is a, he's going to be a medic for the special forces or he is a medic for the special forces. So he's going to be the one keeping these guys alive. And uh, I couldn't be more proud. So um, let this be a lesson to all my listeners. Never get complacent. Never tell yourself that you can't do something. And always remember, no matter where you're at in your life, that there's more things to achieve as long as you got the balls or the intestinal fortitude to maybe give out, give up some creature comforts, give up a little bit of comfort and maybe a lot of pleasure. And go through some agony, some pain, some struggle. I guarantee there's plenty of times he doubted himself and thought, like, what am I doing? But I, it all paid off in the end because he didn't let that voice be the loudest. The, the, the dude's a stud, and I'm 18 years older than him, and I look up to him. So, And, and I'm not embarrassed to say that. So uh, keep pushing in your lives. Doesn't mean you have to be special forces. Doesn't mean I have to be special forces. Doesn't mean that's not what I'm talking about. It just means whatever goals that you have, never forget those goals and keep, and, uh, if they aren't your goals anymore, make new ones. And it, he didn't have to be a special forces soldier, but he had to, uh, try to achieve a goal. There wasn't a goal worth achieving for him in recruiting. And, um, so that's one of the things I think about all the time or what are my goals? What am I trying to achieve? And, uh, when, when that voice comes into my head of what am I trying to achieve? I always think of Kevin. So thank you for that. And, um, encourage 
the people in your life that are chasing goals. Don't be that negative person that's trying to hold them back. Uh, there's, there's no shame in encouraging someone and even having them fail because even if Kevin wouldn't have made it, there would have been a lot that he learned along the way. So don't be afraid to encourage people to go after shit. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Um, as always, you can check me out on Twitter, a foot podcast um, at Twitter, footpodcast.com. Um, hopefully uh, you guys are doing well. And thank you for listening to this podcast. Until next time, peace.